All right, talking about the subject of order. I believe there needs to be a biblical balance when it comes to order. And so we're going to talk about order here tonight. I think, again, most of the world, you'd have to say to some degree, is in a, in a state of disorder. Many families are in a state of disorder. I mean, it's not normal for uh, some people at this time in their life to be involved with distant learning. Uh, whether it's college students or regular public school students, they're in a place where they're at home now, at least some of them, and some in some states around the world, again, in, in our country, are in places where they maybe don't have school right now, and someone's taking care of them, and they're at home, and uh, there's a lot of disorder probably in those different situations because they're used to the, reg the regular regiment maybe of their life. I mean, you think about people today, and I've talked to two guys that are in a situation where they are either in a layoff situation or a furlough situation. Now, you all are familiar with layoffs, and I'm familiar with layoffs, but normally we don't hear a lot about furloughs. But uh, furloughs are where may basically maybe you, you'll have this next week off and you won't go to work. And then you'll come back in another week, and then you will work. And then you're furloughed for two weeks, and then you uh, won't work. And then you're working three, four weeks in whatever it might be. And so uh, people are in that kind of case here in society, too. And so there are people in places of furlough. There are people in places of layoff. There are people in places that maybe they aren't used to, etc. I'm sure there's some moms at home, and they're they're somewhat home educating their children. They never did this before. And certainly, again, that's difficult for them. It'd be difficult for anybody who, who hadn't done anything along that lines before. Uh, certainly, again, uh, persons maybe, again, who never saw themselves not working and, and they're not working now and they want to get back to work and they want the order of society to get back to maybe along the lines that it used to be. And uh, so as we talk about this subject of order here tonight, there needs to be a biblical balance to it. I'm not... Uh, again, in, in favor, and I don't believe the Bible's in favor of some militaristic type of family order, nor, again, along the lines of being robotic in order, like everything has to happen at a certain time, certain uh, uh, situation, etc. Again, this kind of order is not practical, it's not doctrinable, and certainly not manageable. And so, again, as we talk about bringing order to the home, I want to look at some reasonable, consistent, uh, again, thoughts on order, but also you'll see in it there is some flexibility, certainly in order. So again, we're going to talk about order here tonight, and I'm going to turn back to our, our, our first text, the text that, again, we'll be concentrating uh, more on tonight than 1 Corinthians 16. But uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says this, after it says a number of things before that, we'll go back and look at those things before that. It says this, let all your things be done decently and in order. You know, often we, we live by order or routine, and, and that's a good thing. And certainly, again, consistency is some people, we, a lot of people like to be attached to. But in real life, we need to be careful that we don't get too over-rigid in our order, yet we don't want to be over-flexible in our order. And today you have people, some people in a situation where they have all kinds of time on their hands and they don't really know what to do. Again, I don't know that I'll ever be in that place. Maybe I will be someday, but uh, they're in a place they just have all kinds of time on their hands and they don't know what to do. We're not really going to talk about that here tonight, but uh, you need to get your life, life in order. And, uh, you know, talk, we talk about getting our ducks in a row. And certainly that's something needful. 
But I want to give you three things to begin with, and we'll talk about them here tonight. And I hope to, again, maybe talk quickly on this subject here tonight as we think about three principles for bringing uh, order to your family. It doesn't matter what the world is doing around us. doesn't matter what's going on as far as society. I believe these three things can help us with order. First of all, we'll consider here tonight established biblical authority is your guiding rule for faith and practice. Now, things I'm going to teach on tonight aren't something new, but they're certainly something practical. And so the thrust of a family needs to practice the Bible as the Bible gives us guidelines to do certain things. And so establish biblical authority to be a guide and rule for your family during this time. Secondly, let me encourage you here tonight to use biblical correction and coaching to bring about wise behavior in your family during this time, and certainly at any time. And then thirdly, I want to mention here tonight, invest in everyday consistency and training and mentoring in your family, not only during this time, but at any time. I believe if you'll do these three things, you can bring some order to maybe a chaotic situation that we face in a general sense here tonight. And so let's consider this first thought, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 40. The Bible says this, let all things be done decently ordered. You know, God has an order to things, and these things are established by the guidelines of the scriptures. I don't question, in a lot of ways, what to do as a Christian, because the Bible already tells me what I should do. And so, again, the guidelines of the scriptures need to guide our family during this time. Now, what if my family was really poor at this time, and I, I didn't have much money, and I was a Christian, and, and maybe I really wasn't even a Christian, and I was trying to think, you know, what am I going to do? I don't have much food for my family. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what to do with my family. What could I do at a time like that? Well, I could go out and steal. I mean, I could. It's a possibility. It's a choice. It's something I could do. And certainly, again, there will be people tempted during this time to do things contrary to the Word of God. Maybe they'd steal. Maybe they'd lie. Maybe they'd cheat. Maybe they'd do anything to get a job. Really don't know. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying people could. But these are all uh, found in the Bible not to be the right things to do. And uh, as we see again the guide for our family, let all things be decent, done decently in order. I want, it says, let all things be done decently in order. Then 1 Corinthians on top of that, just couple this on top of that if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, these almost say the same things, but they say different things. One's about order decently in order, and the other one says, let all your things be done with charity. And so as we think about the Bible's order, we couple charity with the guide of the scriptures, and we know what we should do. What would be the charitable thing to do? What would be the kind thing to do? What would be the right thing to do? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Uh, charity vaunteth not. It's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It's not easy to provoke. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophets, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, they shall vanish 
away. The Bible says we are to do all things with charity, and it defines what charity is. And I don't have time here tonight to look at these things in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but these are guidelines for behavior as far as what Christians should do, should say, should think, should believe, should practice. You know, God is foreordered. Back in our text here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where it ends with the conclusion, let all things be decently in order, uh, this is dealing with the practice of worship. It's back up here in verse number 26. How is that, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, and hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, that all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or most three, and that by course, and let it be by interpretation, uh, uh, let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let other judge. If any man be revealed, any other, another that sitteth by, let him first hold his peace. For they may all prophesy one by one, and that they may learn and all be comforted. For the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, and uh, as in all the churches of the saints. And so we see here in the Bible, it talks about worship and how things were to be done in the church. And it seems like there was a struggle going on in the church where it talks about somebody has a psalm, somebody has a doctrine, somebody has a revelation, somebody has interpretation. And they're all vying for a place or position to maybe talk about or tell someone about or, or speak about all these things. And Paul here tells them there needs to be order. And he goes through this order. He goes how this order should be done and how worship should be done and who should teach and who should preach and how the order of preaching should happen and, and who should not preach, etc. If there's no interpreter, there's no one supposed to be speaking. It says so many different things here, but get down to verse number 34. Again, this is the context of the church. It says, let your women keep science in the church before it's not permitted unto them to speak, but as commanded they be under obedience as saith the law. If they learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for women to speak in the church. What came the word of God from out from you, or came it out from you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that are right are the commands of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues, that all things be done decently and in order. I just want to say this about, again, it says it does talk about uh, tongues here and speaking and preaching and, and, and uh, edifying and, 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 and teaching through, again, the, the speaking in, in tongues there. It mentions an interpreter. And I just want to say this today. You see in the modern tongues movement, you don't see normally interpreters come along. I mean, if I was to have someone come up here that maybe was uh, Spanish or French or German or Russian or whatever... I would need an interpreter for you guys to hear what he's saying and understand the preaching and teaching of God's word or whatever, uh, again, he would want to convey to you. And so I just want you to notice when it comes to worship and order in the church, there's order to it. There's ways that things should be done and things that shouldn't be done, just like a family. There's things that should be done and shouldn't be done in a family. And it's the Bible that regulates us. 
It's the Bible that tells us what to do. Someone might say here, verse 34, it says women aren't to even talk in church. Well, that's not talking about church, uh, again, talking in church. That's about teaching and speaking in church, etc. And you'll find in the Bible that it's okay for women to teach women in a church setting. And uh, certainly, again, uh, again, uh, certainly, again, a woman could teach children in a church setting. But again, teaching and preaching in a church is to be left to men. And again, that might sound chauvinistic, but that's biblical. And so we're guided in worship on what's right and what's wrong. We're guided in doctrine of what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Let's back up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Some people like to say, you know, it's up to you. It's your choice. It's your privilege to choose how you worship. It's your, your, your choice on what you believe. And I, I kind of get that. You can choose to believe whatever you want to believe. And you can, again, sort of do things as far as worship, as, as, as far as however you want to do them. Uh, but they may not be along the lines of God's worship and right worship. And so, again, Paul was correcting them when it comes to the order of worship. He was also correcting them when it comes to the, the truth of doctrine. Notice here, 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 1, this church here, it says, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Now I praise you, Brent, that you remember me in all the things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. And so he's encouraged them to keep the ordinances. Those are the orders of God. Those are the ordinance, the ordinance of baptism, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And uh, keep the doctrine as it was delivered to you. And so God is for order. He's not for us to change the order. He's not for us to, you know, make the order different or new, but to keep the ordinances they've been given to us. And as the word of God has given them to us. Verse 3 of this chapter says, But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. It goes on and gives some more uh, thoughts, commands, guidelines, uh, orders, ordinances on, on what we should or should not do. Goes on and talks about what we should do in the family and what we shouldn't do with the family, what relationships are right and what relationships are wrong. It mentions some things about being married and being single and all those kind of things that deals with the family. And, and so we see the Bible does give us order when it comes to the whole. And so we want to consider here tonight this first point, to establish the authority and guide of the scriptures for conduct and practice in the home. Establish it. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. How can you establish that? Well, certainly, you'll have to be in a position where you're reading the Bible. Search the scriptures, whether these things are so. You do err not knowing the scriptures, Jesus told some people that should have knew the scriptures. And so we need scriptural order. And uh, in the family, there's order. We see this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 21. Submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as the Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. And we, so we see, first of all, in the home, the, the wife being in subjection. So she listens, she obeys, she follows the guides of her own husband. 
But also says here in verse number five in the home, it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Just want to stop there. You know, the wife might have a position of following, but you know who she should be following? She should be following a guy who's like Christ in the home. Because he's supposed to be following Christ, and he's supposed to love like Jesus loved the church. And he's supposed to give himself for that church. And he's supposed to give himself for that family. He's supposed to sacrifice for his family. He's to love his family like Jesus loved the church. And in that kind of position in a home, you have harmony in the home, at least to some degree. But it doesn't end there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1, there's more order that's talked about in the home. And again, the guidelines for our faith and practice in the home as Christians should be the guidelines of the scriptures. Ephesians 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And so it gives some more direction here in Ephesians to, to children. And uh, certainly most families are children. In those families where there's children, there, those children are to obey and honor those parents, that it may go well with them. And then it says in verse number four, there's something else that's mentioned here in the Bible that's uh, noteworthy for us to understand. And it says, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so in the home, there's supposed to be a father or parents or whoever's in charge there uh, bringing those children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so... In establishing a home, we need to establish biblical authority. We see it as our guide. We see it as our rule. We see it as what we follow. It's, it's what we practice. It's not uh, we're following this preacher, and that's what we're doing. And we're following, again, maybe the trends of society, and that's what we're doing. And, or we're following, again, the evangelical Christianity today, and that's what we're doing. Uh, we're to follow the Bible. Let's turn to First Chronicles chapter 12. You know, even in the military, and I should say maybe more along this lines, especially in the military, there's order. And uh, you can't have a good standing army, and you can't have an army in a place doing what they need to do unless there's some order there. There's certainly, again, an order of rank. There's certainly an order of work. There's certainly an order of who, who's in charge and who's not in charge. And, and the Bible says this in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse number uh, 37 and verse 38. It says, And on the other side of Jordan, of the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tide of Manasseh, with all manner of instruments of war for battle, and 120,000, that's a lot of people, 120,000, that's like, you know, a little bit less than the population of Fargo-Moorhead. And all these men of war that could keep Ray came with perfect heart to Hebron to make David the king over Israel. And all the rest of Israel were of one heart to make David king. And it goes on and talks about some other things there. But you see here, again, 120,000 people. And it mentions in the Bible, these, these people, they could keep rank. And they could keep order. You know, in Bible times, they used trumpets to keep order. And certainly, again, they used voices and commanders to keep order. And certainly, again, there was, again, a commander-in-chief, and there were people that, again, were in positions of 
of uh, soldiership, etc., and there was a need for order. And so, again, in the home, there's a need to establish biblical order. Let's turn to Psalm 119. Someone says, well, how does that fit into my life? Well, that fits into your life and my life when we see something, the Word of God, and the Bible says to do it, and we, we're going to do it. We're going to follow it. We're going to practice it. You know, the Bible has so many different things that have us to do. And we need to be seeking to do all of those things that we know to do. The first and best guidebook in life is, in the, is the Bible. And the Bible, again, is clear in many areas what we should do. Psalm 119, verse 133 says this, Order my steps in thy word, and let not iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of men, so will I keep thy precepts. And so we should keep his precepts. We should be in a place we are ordered by the word of God. And the word of God should give us instructions on what a dad, a mom, a child, anyone at home ought to do. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1. There's a lot of instruction. I just want to say this. Uh, for you who are young here tonight, or even if you're a Christian here tonight, there's a lot of wisdom in Proverbs. Every Christian, every child should look into the book of Proverbs and, and carefully look in the book of Proverbs and look at what they should do. There's so many things mentioned in what you should do. But notice here in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 8, it says this, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the, the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace about thy head and chains about thy neck. And so hear thy father, Forsake not the law of thy mother. Mom and dad are to be heard in the home. So again, children are to be heard in the home, but I mean the instruction from the home needs to come from the parents on down. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 18. Authority. It's something that we see that people want to erase from society. People don't want anybody to rule over them. We will not have this man to rule over us. And I believe, again, that's the cry largely of this generation. We do not want anybody to rule over us. We don't want requirements. We don't want rules. We don't want authority. We don't want tell anybody telling us what to do. Certainly don't want, again, the Bible telling us what to do. Many people have that thought process. But look here in Genesis chapter 18. In the home, uh, there's certainly, again, people that are supposed to be in places where they actually tell others what to do. Notice here in Genesis 18, verse number 19, it says, And I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which I have spoken of him. The Bible talks about this father by the name of Abraham. Everybody's familiar with Abraham. The Bible talks about him commanding his children and his household after him. Not just his kids, but he had servants under him. And we've talked about that. He had a lot of servants under him. He would tell those servants under him, those again, those people working for him, what to do and not to do. And they were to do that sort of thing. We looked at this morning, again, the wife's role in the home is to be a guy in the house. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 14. The wife's role in the Husband's role in the household is to be uh, where they, again, again, guide their children after the truth. 
We've got one guidebook. Again, there are certainly times, again, where you see the guidebook, again, even gives us some flexibility. And I just want to mention that there are some areas of liberty. But there certainly are a lot of different commands, and there's certainly a lot of different precepts we need to follow. And so to establish order in the home, we need the Bible to be that guide to our faith and practice. Again, spend a lot of time on that here tonight. Secondly, I want to look at here tonight, we need, secondly, when we talk about, again, what we need to have order in the home, we need to, uh, in the home, have uh, correction and coaching. Again, to bring about wise behavior in the home. Correcting and coaching to bring about wise behavior in the home. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 23. We often emphasize this thing of correcting. And I, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a lot of correcting. The Bible talks about reprove, rebuke, exhort. Reproving and rebuking are both correcting people through the word of God. There needs to be correcting. And if you're not going to be willing to correct, you're going to have issues in the home. Proverbs chapter 23 Verse number 13 to 14, some people today are pulling out the hair with one or two kids in the home because they're not correcting them. They're not coaching them even in a large degree. Proverbs 23, verse 13, it says, Withhold not correction from the child. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. I know again that most people say that this kind of correction is evil, mean, wicked, wrong, etc., but the Bible says to do it. And so we need to correct our children according to the word of God. We can be like Eli and say nothing. We can be like David and, and not speak out against maybe what's wrong uh, when it comes to our children and what they're doing. But the Bible has us to be the directors and correctors in the home. Proverbs chapter 22 says this, verse number 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, when it comes to training, it doesn't matter if it's an animal or it's a person. They need correcting and they need coaching. Correcting. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 there, verse 15, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of correction shall drive it far from there needs to be a rod of correction, and it needs to be used at the home. It needs to be applied in the home only out of love and not out of anger. It's a powerful teacher, this rod of correction. But there's a lot of responsibility to it. And the rod should not, believe, I believe, be used if it's not coupled with coaching. And by I mean coaching, I mean there needs to be some instructing that goes along with it. Turn to Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 15. Even with an animal, and I say even with an animal. If you were training a dog or training whatever it might be, you would probably have to correct them in some way, but you'd also coach them. Like, this is good for you to do. This is right for you to do. And so there needs to be both of these when it comes to bringing order to the home. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 15, the Bible says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left himself bringeth his mother to shame. Rod and reproof give wisdom, and so they certainly need wisdom, and so they need both correcting and coaching. I'm pro-correction. I am pro-coaching, because the Bible teaches us to do both. The rod, 
correction. Reproof is coaching. Turn to Luke chapter 9. You study the disciples. I don't have time here tonight to look into this, but you study the disciples. You study especially the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. And you'll see again the way that Jesus dealt with both churches and he dealt with his children in the faith. I'd like us again just look at an example of this in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 52. It says, And he sent messengers before his face. Jesus sends messengers before his face. And they went and they entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And so they go ahead. They're going to be trying to again prepare things for the Lord there. And it says in verse 53, And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would, not go to, he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, will thou have that we uh, command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you're of. Now what happened here in the Bible? James and and John, they thought they should call down fire. They should be in a position where they should destroy those who would not, you know, accept the Lord Jesus. And here we see in the Bible, Jesus correct them. And he coaches them. He says, you know not what manner of spirit you are. He didn't have to tell them any more than that. Often when it comes to coaching, again, just a look, sometimes, again, just a few words will help, again, a person in the right direction. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 2. And, and during this time, this time, I believe, when some people have the ability to stay home, maybe with their family, where they didn't have it before, uh, they have the ability maybe to teach their children and, and direct their children, maybe where they didn't have it so much before, or maybe they're in a position where they're not so busy or whatever it might be. Uh, it'd be a good time for you to be in a position where you are uh, looking to correct and direct and coach your children in the right direction. And there's something I've learned about correction, and I've learned it not because I learned it from somebody else, but I've seen it in the Word of God. And I, I do try to apply it when it comes to correction and to coaching my children. I don't always use it. I wish I used it more, okay? When it comes to coaching and correcting, you accentuate the positive first, and you deal with the negative second. You'll see this. You read through Revelation. I don't have time here. Revelation 2. You'll see in every case here in the Bible, you'll see Jesus start out with the positive first, and then he's the correction second. I just want to look at the first example of this here in Revelation chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, And unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his hand, right hand, and walketh in the middle of the gold, seven golden candlesticks. He says here, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, and how thou hast bared uh, them which are evil, and thou hast tried them, which say their apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my namesakes has labored, and has not fainted. These are all positive things that the Lord's talking to his church about. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. I want to just say with the church at Ephesus, a lot of positive things going on there. And so he talks about these positive things they're doing, but then he does say, you know, 
You've left their first love. And he doesn't say, you know, just don't deal with this. We don't have to worry about this. You know, you could apply this in so many ways to children. Again, the child might have something they're doing wrong, and we just, we just try to ignore it. No, he says to deal with it. Remember wherefrom thou hast fallen, and repent, and do the first work. So I'll come quickly, and I'll remove that candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou doest, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I get to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so we see here an example of the Bible, a church being corrected. We see them being corrected. We see them being coached. And they are told that they're doing good in so many different things. They have patience. They're trying those that are evil. They're laboring. They're, and they haven't fainted. And it mentions there, but I have someone against thee because you left your first love. And so when parenting, you've got to deal with even some of the smaller things. And you've got to deal with, again, maybe some of the things maybe people wouldn't deal with. And, and, and you do that, again, for their good and for their well-being. And you see this in Revelation chapter 2. Now, what if a child or etc. is really not doing anything right? You're going to have to really work on getting them in the right order so that you're going to find things that you can praise them for and, and encourage them with. But again, you need to be pro-correcting, you need to be pro-coaching. And coaching, again, encourages a child in the right direction. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Even after discipline, uh, you'll hear words along these lines from me if I'm disciplining a young child. Again, I'm uh, getting to the point where I'm not doing that very much anymore. But again, after I uh, get done talking to the child, after applying again correction to them, I'll say things along the line, I... I know you can do better. I love you, but I know you can do better. We need to change this. We're trying to restore relationship and get them to repent. These are all good things that children need to know. Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, verse number uh, 5 here. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 5. The Bible talks about correction. And as a father, I need to correct. And certainly as a mother, she also needs to correct. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, it says, And ye have not forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto us children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son that he receiveth. If you endure chastening, he deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And so, I mean, here in the Bible, in Bible times, it you know, correction was just normal to chasten, to rebuke. Etc. That was just normal. Uh, verse 4, it says, If you be without chastisement, wherefore you are partakers, then are, are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, ye have heard our fathers of flesh have corrected us, and we gave them reverence. How much more, uh, rather, shall we be in subjection unto Father, spirits, and live? For verily, for a few days, uh, chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. But no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Now, nobody likes to be corrected. You can see that here. Nobody likes being corrected. It's grievous. I mean, that, it causes sadness. 
but it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And so you might be out somewhere, 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 sometime, and, and your children are with you, and, and you might get someone that says, I just can't believe it. your children, they just, they sit so nice, and they seem so, you know, they seem like they, you know, they, they're so well-mannered. Someone says, well, how do you do that? I don't wave a wand over them, and all of a sudden they have it. Okay, woo! Now you're the, the children again who sit right, do right, uh, smile, and, and uh, do the things that they're supposed to do, but it takes training. And so it takes coaching and takes correcting. Let's turn back to Proverbs chapter 22. As we consider thirdly here and finally, and I'm going to try to be quick on this here tonight, when we think about, again, bringing order to our family, we need to establish, again, guidelines that are found in the Bible. Don't establish guidelines that certainly are found contrary to the principles and the precepts of God, but find guidelines and, and, and follow them. Secondly, again, seek to, again, be in a position where you correct them and coach them. And then thirdly, here and finally, I want to mention here tonight, invest in training and mentoring them. Train up a child in the way he should go. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says. And we know that verse. I don't need you to turn back there. Train them in the way they should go. I've said this many, many times. Not the way that they could go. Not the way that they would go. Not the way they want to go. But the way they should go. There's a should go. There's a way that you should go. And every child should go. Get in the way of obedience, the way of character, the way of that which is right, that which, again, you should do. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, as you're, again, training them, you're going to be both teaching them and training them. You're going to be showing them what they shouldn't do and what they shouldn't do. And again, from the beginning, you should be seeking to do these sorts of things. As you do these sorts of things, you want to be an example as a Christian of what Christians should do. It doesn't matter what the world's doing. You should be doing what Christians are told to do. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and purity. And so I say here thirdly, it's important, Invest every day as, and as much as you can on a daily basis in consistent mentoring and training of your children. Some people say, well, you've got 18 years with them. What's the rush in training them? 18 years passes really fast. 20 years passes fast. Whatever amount of time you end up with your children, it passes really fast. And during those times, you need to be training, mentoring, coaching, and helping them to do things so that they can do what they need to do once they leave the home. And be that example there. And set the example there. And be willing to train them. You know, you can, you can pay people to be personal trainers. And, co and, and, and certainly athletics, certainly music. You can pay them. That's what a teacher normally is. Most teachers are paid, uh, again, to teach someone what to do. But yet, I believe we as parents must invest hours, years, months in showing them, in telling them, and training them what to do. 
Children should not leave the home not knowing certain things when it comes to the Christian faith. They should be trained in service to God. They should be trained in, in so many different areas in what they should do and what they should not do. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And as they see your charity, they see your love for them, they see your willingness to do right according to the word of God before them, Lord willing, they will follow in your footsteps and do along the lines that you have taught them to do. They're still going to have a choice in all these things. But again, you, you need to consistently do what you should be doing and train them and mentor them in what to do. And they'll hopefully follow you in, in the faith that you've taught them to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Let all your things be done with charity. And so keep this in mind during this time. Bring order to your home. This world might be in a place of chaos. Many families in a place of great challenge during this time. But if you'll let the guide and rule of the Bible direct your home, and you'll let, again, biblical correction and coaching be a part of your teaching in the home, and you, you'll use everyday consistency, training, and mentoring in your family, you can bring order to your home. All right, let's close as we consider the Word of God here tonight.